All right, Zach, I know you've got another episode of the QCast to get to, so let's get this recorded. Let's get this done. Welcome to Regional Ranking Week 3 here on the D3 Datacast. Matt, each week of Regional Rankings gets a little more important, and that's certainly the case with Week 3, because with the Regional Rankings for Week 3, we are into once-ranked, always-ranked time, which means any team that is ranked in Week 3, whether they fall out in the final Week 4 rankings or not, they will count in that magical results versus regionally ranked opponents category. This is big time. This is big. Yeah, you really want to get teams you've played ranked this week. If not this week, then next week, really get those results. Um, It's almost like we just need a different process that results versus regionally ranked opponents lagging a week is kind of like, you know, not always the greatest thing, but that's what we have. We'll, We'll run through it. We're going to do another week's of, of, of regional ranking predictions here. We're also going to talk about the bubble watch, the bubble picture. Are you ready to go through uh, this week's episode, Zach? I am, yes. As you said, we'll go through our regional ranking predictions for week three and, and mix in some bubble talk along the way. But first, Matt, you have a ballot due for your top 25 uh, this week. Take us through the hot and fresh ballot. Yes, I have not submitted this ballot yet. So, so Zach, if you want to correct me on anything, if we want to reconsider anything here, I still have time to make a change. Uh, but this is the ballot I have run through on Sunday afternoon, recording this on a Sunday, releasing it on a Monday. Um, I'm just going to kind of read through the order for the podcast. I don't want to forget the Spotify folks out there, Zach, who can't see the screen. So I'm going to just read through quickly my top 25 ballot for the week. Uh, starting off at number one, Hampton, Sydney. Two, Randolph, Macon. Then rounding out the top five is Trinity, Connecticut. John Carroll and Cal Lutheran. Coming in at number six is Trinity, Texas. Then Guilford, Oswego State, Calvin, and Keene State at 10. Then Widener, 11, NYU, Case Western Reserve, Trine, UW-Platteville at 15. Nebraska Wesleyan, Coe, Catholic, DeSales, and Dubuque at 20. 21 is Mount Union, Illinois Wesleyan, Elmhurst, Johns Hopkins, and then finishing up my top 25 is Tufts. At number 25. Now, Matt, I got an early access preview of your top 25. And so I picked out a few things that I thought might be interested to, interesting to talk about. Let's start with, Matt, our Kelvin Knights picked up a huge win over Trine. And I noticed looking back at your ballot from last week, Kelvin and Trine just about switched spots. But there's something else I'm, I was wondering about here. And if, if Kelvin's win over Trine also broke a little bit of a, a triangle for you between Trine, Platteville, and Calvin, uh, just based on the way that your previous ballots had worked and towards the end of the non-conference season, Trine had a win over Platteville um, in Angola. Calvin played Platteville on a neutral court there in Angola and lost. So it felt, and then with Trine beating Calvin in the first meeting, it felt like in terms of your top 25 ordering, you kind of were forced into like a Trine, Platteville, Calvin um, order. And now that uh, Calvin's got a win over Trine to even up the season series. Um, you know, you could do whatever you want between those two. And then also with Calvin beating um, Trine, who had beaten Platteville, that kind of frees maybe a little bit uh, of Calvin from being blocked by Platteville based on that head-to-head. Is that a way that you thought about it when you were putting together this ballot? Or does that just happen to be the way it worked out? And I'm reading too much into maybe the ordering of those three teams. Uh, yeah, I think for this week, maybe we're reading a little bit too much into it. Um, that triangle is something I have been cognizant of just because we saw these teams play each other. 
you know, Trine had a win over Platteville, who beat Calvin. This point in the season, though, any individual win, you know, I would weigh ahead to head just as far as like, how do I think these two teams stack up against each other? But we also have 24 other results for each of these teams. Uh, and, and each of those will also inform my decision as well. So one, at this point in the season, I'm not really going to peg a team next to each other. If, if, if one beats two, and that doesn't mean two has to stay behind them uh, because we have so many more results. So I think at this time, you know, most of a team's season has been locked in. So results of this week, you know, in and of themselves might not sway me too much on a team. And also I might be unshackled from a result that happened in November and December, just from the nature of the season. Um, for, for Calvin shooting up maybe a few spots higher in my, in my ballot, I think that's a little bit of recognition for me in how they've played particularly in the second half of conference play versus how they were playing in the first half of conference play. Um, I, I always think of my ballot, and I try to think of this as not just who beat who, who's rewarded for what, who won, who lost, but really, um, especially now getting toward the end of the season, who would I expect to win on a neutral court uh, between any kind of teams in a, in a similar rank in the ballot next to each other? Would that be a, a close neutral court game? Who would I would think would win? Um, and right now, especially you know Calvin and Trine, you know, look, these two teams are very close. We just saw an overtime game at, at Trine. I, I think Calvin, at least with them, matches up a little bit better and would be and is a little bit of a favorite in my mind. Um, that being said, 9 and 14 is not a big gap on my ballot. So these two teams are still very, very close, I think. And speaking of very, very close, Matt, last week you had Nebraska Wesleyan and Co., two American Rivers Conference members, uh, you know, paired together. This week they're sa- they're still paired, but they moved up three spots. But so I thought that was interesting that you know they stay paired, moving up the three spots. Um, you know we've talked about how crazy the arc race is, how little separation there is, and um, I don't know. I just thought it was a little bit amusing to see them stay paired uh, even with the change in their in their ranking overall. Yeah, it's it's really hard for for the me and the ARC overall. They're all good teams, but I'm not sure how great. Like, it's hard for me to take these teams into the top 15, really, for what I'm seeing right now. Um, But I also have, like, four of them, I guess, kind of in my top 35. So they're all all pretty close. I don't have a lot of separation. And I I felt like for a while I kind of wanted to keep Nebraska Wesleyan and and Co. somewhat close to each other. I don't think I necessarily had to keep them back-to-back, but I wanted to keep them kind of close. Um, And I also, you know... Dubuque is maybe like third fiddle in that group right now or, or third and fourth with Laura somewhere. I, I kind of felt like I was bringing Dubuque in this week. I, I had a lot of carnage in the back half of my ballot. And again, like one loss, depending on who you play this this week, might not do move you a whole lot in my mind because we're kind of locked in to some degree. I do have a, like these 10, 15 other teams on my watch list, I felt like, and Dubuque was one of those teams. Just where some teams moved, moved down, or maybe moved out, I felt like I was needing to move some teams in. Uh, so, so another American Rivers team moved in for me, Dubuque, kind of all the way in at 20. Uh, but as I was saying, like for me, 15 to 25, that's almost even on my ballot, I guess. Yeah, you mentioned Dubuque. That's another one I, I noticed uh, moving in at number 20. I think that was the highest a team that wasn't ranked on your ballot last week moved in. Um, I also want to ask about Rowan. You had them 17th last week to completely out this week you talked about the carnage at the back end um and we've talked all season long about those final five whatever it is spots i was a little bit surprised that you took a team that was seventh 
17th last week to move them all the way out. It seemed like maybe at 17, they were a little bit above kind of that, that cut line or that fringe line where we've seen like a lot of churn throughout the year. Uh, just comment on Rowan. Yeah, again, 17 to just off my ballot is not very far to move. Um, one of the things for Rowan is they've played, I think, a really good schedule. Um, that, that conference is tough. They, they lost the game this week, I think double overtime to Montclair State. So, you know, it's not terrible, but it's not great. I think maybe a team like Rowan uh, should win. M- my issue with Rowan is they've just sometimes tended to lose some of those games, lose maybe too many games. And I felt like maybe was I just keeping them too high for playing a lot of teams tough that they're not necessarily beating all the time. And a team in my top 25 right now, I would I wanted to be a little bit more consistent than Rowan. They didn't fall too far. I, I considered them, you know, at you know 23, 24, 25. But for me right now, they're just off. And I would I would vote them in the future if they have a good NJAC tournament. All right, Matt. Two more teams I wanted to ask about. Okay. Johns Hopkins and Tufts are new into your ballot this week. I think if someone looked at, okay, what did Johns Hopkins do last week? What did Tufts do last week? Uh, they, they would probably have a hard time understanding why you're moving him in. But you've talked a few times that at this point, with so many games played, looking more at just the season, are you looking more at the season as a whole and this is more of like a season achievement type recognition as opposed to more like the week to week adjustment? Because uh, Johns Hopkins took a loss this week, Tufts took a loss this week. Um, and I just think it's a little bit different than maybe how other teams have have moved in and out of the ballot. Yeah, I think if I'm if I'm correct, if I have my notes correct, Tufts' loss was a week ago, and they, I think they were one and zero this week. Um, okay, at least that's what I have. Johns Hopkins did take a loss to Swarthmore, but I do try not to do too much of the. I'm just reacting to the week, and a team goes down because they lost. You know, for Johns Hopkins, it was a one point loss at Swarthmore. You know, it's okay. It's not a great loss. Um, kind of a rivalry game. It was a tight game. Uh, they did slide significantly down my ballot. Uh, but right now, I'm still really trying to lock in how good do I think each team is, not just a series of kind of punishments or rewards based on just the past week alone. We're definitely at that point in the season where you start looking at the the overall body of work, so to speak. All right, excellent. Matt, I think we'll get this top 25 poll, one more after conference tournament play. One, you know, one heading into the national tournament, and then we'll get just one final one at the conclusion of the tournament. So nothing, you know, in between uh, weekends there. Uh, so we're coming down to the the wire here in terms of top twenty five polls. Yeah. Yep. All right, from top twenty five ranking, Matt, to regional ranking. Let's get right in because, as we said, we're going to do this as a mix of our regional ranking predictions and preview, and then also trying along the way to to bring in some bubble talk, maybe talk about where we think that bubble line is and uh and some teams where they're standing as of today all right so let's let's start matt with region one i know we did some crazy stuff for that first set and started with region 10 but we're gonna stick with the region one through 10 order here matt we see trinity connecticut holding on to that top spot followed by tufts williams then we get into an interesting trio we talked about a week ago uh that you know we we saw could come out anyway and i think we're we're in that similar position but we currently see st joseph connecticut uh taking that fourth spot followed by albertus magnus and then con college who was eliminated this weekend in nescac tournament play uh so their regular season is over 
And then Matt Morrisville State also lost in their conference tournament. But as it stands right now, they still look like the only reasonable uh, pick for that final spot uh, to round out the Region 1 rankings. Yeah, so this ends up being the same seven teams we saw last week. I don't think there's going to be any discussion about a different seven or, or anyone else. I think this is the seven. Um, this is the same order we predicted last week. What we got wrong was Con College was slotted up above St. Joseph and then went St. Joseph, then Albertus. Um, we're going to go with this again. We're going to double down on our approach. Um, Con College did lost, they did lose. They took an 0-1. Um, so their resume got a little bit worse. St. Joseph and Albertus, I think, kind of held their resumes or, or got a little bit better. And we still are trying to roll with that interaction of wins that we saw. St. Joseph beat Albertus, who beat Connecticut College. For us this week, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow they go with the strength of schedule of Connecticut College and the good win of Connecticut College somehow. But we think at some point this order of wins, who's beaten who, kind of needs to hold. So we're going to go with this again uh, for Region 1 and think that Connecticut College maybe slipped down to 6th. Um, but I think 1, 2, and 3 in this region, Trinity, Tufts, and Williams, I think that's pretty solid locked in that they're staying 1, 2, and 3 in that order. Um, and then I think we're going to just kind of take a look at the the bubble picture, the tournament picture for each region. Um, I think we feel really, really good about Trinity and Tufts. Uh, we feel pretty good about Williams. And then I think St. Joseph we're also feeling pretty well about. And then Albertus is kind of more of a bubble um, and I think maybe Connecticut College is maybe more bubble out right now. And Morrisville State, Dunzo, I think right now. They're, they're, they're just out. Um, they, and they took a loss in their conference tournament. So they're, they're no pool A path for them either. All right. Yeah, as you mentioned, with that Con College, Albertus Magnus, St. Joseph, we're going with, with the same order we were wrong with last week. But as we kept looking, you know, took another look at it, we felt like, the way that the data shifted from last week to this week was more in our favor. So this is not just being stubborn, trying to push through what we thought yeah. a week ago. Uh, we did take another look at it yeah. and just the way that some of the winning percentages and strength of schedules, we think it shifted even more in that, in that favor. So hopefully we're right this time, Matt. Yeah. We'll and find I, out. When, we'll find out when that bonus episode drops. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Matt, let's get on to region two where, not surprisingly, Keene State, we believe, will hold on to the top spot, followed by Nichols. Um, and then Clark, who we've had there on the strength mostly of their season sweep of WPI, because it looks like between you know three and four there, it comes down to a head-to-head -head comparison between Clark and WPI. Clark with a definite, definite advantage there. Uh, Western New England fifth, followed by, Matt, this is going to be a controversial one, Brandeis rounding out the uh, region two rankings, of course, just six rank spots here in region two, the smallest of the, of the 10 regions, all other regions will have seven ranked teams region two, of course, with six ranked teams. Yeah. We need to start a running count of UAA teams. We are projecting into the regional rankings with a sub 600 winning percentage counts at one. Okay. Um, region two here, the counts at one. Uh, I think this was the same order that we predicted last week. This is the same order we saw the regional committees come out with. So this was, um, we, we're kind of just locking it in. We think it's, we think it's pretty strong. Definitely one, two, three, four. Um, there's, is there maybe even a conversation about Western New England and Brandeis? Uh, but Brandeis picked up some regionally ranked results with Carnegie Mellon coming into the rankings this week. Um, so they look strong there, even though they, they lost, they're lost this week and their winning percentage got worse. 
Um, do some of their other numbers look better to maybe make them jump Western New England? I don't know. That's maybe a conversation. For now, we're going to go with the same six um, in the same order and, and and call that good. We'll see, see how that ends up. I, I don't really think that there's a path for Endicott, let's say, who's just outside of the rankings in, in our mind to jump in. So again, we felt really comfortable staying with these same six. Um, as far as tournament picture, Keene State is an absolute lock. They're in a position to maybe host a first weekend game. Um, not for sure, for sure on Keene State hosting, but I think that's a definite possibility. Um, I think Nichols looks probably bubble in. I think they look pretty good right now. Um, Clark and WPI, though, I think are deeper on the bubble. They're both going to want to make deep new Mac runs, definitely to the final. Uh, but it might be a pool A for either of those, pool A or, or nothing. So definitely, if you're in the new Mac, try to win your pool A because there, there might not be a guarantee of pool C, also depending on how many upsets there are there around the country. Uh, for Western New England, I think they're a Pool A only team. I don't think they have a Pool C shot. And Brandeis, I don't think they have a Pool C shot, and they don't have a shot in the UAA race anymore, so we won't see Brandeis come tournament time. Yeah, Matt, you mentioned the, the possibility. You can't discount the possibility that Brandeis comes in fifth here. And I, as much as we hate the idea of, you know, 583 winning percentage Brandeis being here, I, you know, just the winning percentage gap with Endicott is not that big. You start looking at the strength of schedule, the difference in the results versus regionally ranked opponents. And I don't, I don't see an alternative to Brandeis, be, you know, staying in the region, uh, the region two rankings here. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think they're, I think they're going to be in. Um, and this is, this is what we've seen the committee value. And I don't, I, I don't know that it's right or wrong. Um, but I think this is what we've seen the committee tell us that they're going to do. And I would not be surprised to see them in, uh, we do always need to have the conversation about when we're talking about winning percentage and strength of schedule and results versus regionally ranked opponents, how many times are we double counting those types of things, particularly for a conference like the UAA multi-region, lots of opportunities to get teams ranked a team like Brandeis, not a good resume everyone in the conference gets to play twice and maybe pick up a win or two against regionally ranked opponents. Uh, that's one of the, re it's, it's a strong conference. It's like number one or number two in total conference strength. So obviously they deserve to have those high strength of schedules and a lot of good games. I just wonder like games like Brandeis counting and, and in other places around the country, we get equally strong teams or stronger teams, not counting for your quote unquote good wins. It's just, a little bit of a struggle for me sometimes, but I think we see Brandeis ranked and I think we're going to have to move on. Hooray. All right. Region three, Matt Oswego state looks strong at the top there, followed by Hobart. And then we had, we had some interesting discussions here. Uh, we went with St. Lawrence third, followed by Utica RPI Farmingdale state. And then Nazareth is who we are projecting as the seven there in region three. Uh, it gets really interesting, Matt, because you have some disparate, resumes when you look at winning percentage and uh, strength of schedule. Yeah, definitely an interesting region, a region that got very messy this week um, as RPI took two losses. They were a team that we saw toward the top, top half of the region. Um, so we're kind of all over the map. RPI now we have slotted in what's that fifth, 600 winning percentage, 550-ish strength of schedule. But then right next to them, we have Farmingdale State. 920 winning percentage, 457 strength of schedule. It's really tough to make those decisions, first of all, or predict what another committee is going to do with those. Um, you know, we, we kind of looked at how they ranked the teams last week and how each resume moved and then tried to decide, you know, which resumes were most similar to where they were last week. 
and then did a team kind of move up or down relative to those. Um, we think even at the 600 winning percentage that RPI is not going to move all the way out. We expect them to stay in the regional rankings that 554 strength of schedule and those regionally ranked opponent wins Hobart and St. Lawrence that look obviously a lot better than anything Farmingdale has in those categories, better than what Nazareth has in those categories. So we think RPI has a chance to stay above those two teams. Maybe Utica slides up, but even that is a tough decision. The 468 strength of schedule for Utica is not great. Um, their regionally ranked wins are okay. You know, a win against Connecticut College was maybe solidly mid region, middle of Region 1 last week. It's now sliding in Region 1, we think, this week. You know, Nazareth is the bottom in this region. So it's not a ton of strength there, but they have a couple of results um, that are positive. So, so I, you know, I could see, I think Oswego is locked in at 1, Hobart, St. Lawrence. I think those are your top three. Take that to the bank. And then I think Nazareth is seventh and Brockport is out. But between Utica, RPI, and Farmingdale, I could almost see any order among those three. And one other thing we did look at, just given the the difference in the in the profile of the resume between Utica and RPI, was there was a common opponents um, factor in favor of Utica, and that helped us, despite the lower strength of schedule, um, you know, maintain that uh, Utica position over RPI with the winning percentage. Um, not a lot to be gained in terms of the RROs. So uh, the common opponents was something we did we looked at between Utica and RPI, and that was another thing that was in favor of Utica. Yeah, and we never know. Like we talk about non-conference strength of schedule probably more often than they use it. Um, we see Utica with a low strength of schedule, but their non-conference number doesn't really look like it's helping them out that much. So, um, you know, I don't think it's not like they it looks like they tried to schedule too much out of conference. So maybe that hurts them. There's a lot of factors the committee could look at, uh, but we kind of landed on this one, uh, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, but as far as the tournament picture, uh, Oswego State, we're very comfortable with Oswego State. They're definitely looking uh, looking good. Uh, Hobart is probably, what did we decide on Hobart, Zach? Uh, probably bubble, maybe bubble out, starting at yeah, Hobart. Well, you know, when you, when you consider that there's going to be some bid thieves, right? And so you can't just look yeah. at it as a, like a top 22. That's where that's where Hobart maybe looks a little bit more bubblish or, or even to bubble out. So they're Hobart will definitely be one of those teams. Should they need a pool C bid that would want to see as few upsets as possible, because that would, that would, that could really impact them. Yeah. And maybe a similar, but, but very bubblish. Yeah. Yeah. Bubblish and a similar position for St. Lawrence. You know, if they're, if they're the two teams in the Liberty league final, I guess I don't know what the bracket looks like in the Liberty league off the top of my head, if they can play in the final, but, um, you know, the, for those teams to feel any sort of good about the pool C position, they probably at least want to make it to the championship game. Uh, but really, you're in the position where, you know, pool A, or else you're not feeling great come come selection Sunday. And then Utica and below, I, we're not we're not pool C viable down there. Yep. All right, let's move to Region Four, Matt, where we have NYU at the top. Uh, we're going to maintain Rowan second to Sales third. But Rowan taking a loss definitely tightens that up. Um, you know, I don't think we'd be shocked to see that flip. But for right now, I think I think we're comfortable with with Rowan maintaining that lead over DeSales. And then Matt, you get into a really interesting comparison here. We're going to go with Stockton fourth, TCNJ fifth, Stevens sixth, and Ramapo seventh. Now with these four, I think the order could get. Yeah, you know, completely shuffled. We wouldn't necessarily 
uh, be shocked by that. And in particular, putting Stevens between TCNJ and Ramapo is really trying to thread a needle. Um, but considering what we saw last week in the regional rankings, that we think it's possible. But you know, again, it's such a, a narrow thread there but to, to slot them between the two that the order here really could be up in the air. Yeah, we saw last week that Stevens was slotted between these two teams last week, but the order was flipped. Um, and then based on the results in the NJAC this last week, Ramapo and TCNJ kind of traded resumes. So it looks kind of like the numbers almost flopped. So we kind of thought, okay, TCNJ would be up higher. Ramapo probably fell down below Stevens, but maybe Stevens does stay there right in the middle. Um, we looked into some numbers and common opponents and tried to figure if there's anything there. But at, at the end of the day, that's that's kind of where we we slid in. Uh, Zach, you mentioned the other interesting conversation is right up toward the top with Rowan and DeSales. Um, you know, two interesting resumes, and I think that tightened up this week with Rowan taking a loss. Uh, DeSales has the really great 920 winning percentage, but their strength of schedule is really mediocre when it comes to um, the national picture, regional ranking, and, and selection picture. Uh, at 525, but there's definitely a conversation to be had there. Uh, I think we liked overall the the number and quality of Rowan's regionally ranked wins. Uh, we think maybe Eastern is a better win than DeSales has. Um, that strength of schedule gap is still huge. So even though there's a big winning percentage gap, we did see Rowan ranked ahead last week, and we do definitely right. uh, acknowledge that it tightened up. It's, it's, it's very close now, but we think Rowan will just stay ahead of DeSales Again, not completely shocked if that flips this week. Uh, but for right now, I think we're going to stick with Rowan and DeSales. Uh, the other, I think, really interesting one to me is is Stockton's position, given their winning percentage. It's only 640. Um, but when you look at Stockton in particular with their number, their five regionally ranked wins and the quality of those regionally ranked wins, a win over Keene State, two wins over Rowan. We think that that is a significant resume boost, something that will stick out to the positive that's going to kind of keep Stockton in the middle of this region more at number four. Right. Really trying to take cues from what we've seen in the previous regional rankings to inform our decisions here for regional ranking three. All right, Matt, in terms of bubble picture, I think we we decided that the top three in this region are looking solid for a pool C should they need it. Um but below that, there's work to be done. And now, and already in some cases, there's that it's not going to be possible for any more work to be done because TCNJ knocked Ramapo out of the NJAC tournament already. Uh, and TCNJ now gets a meeting with Rowan in the semifinal. So Ramapo not in good position with no games left to play here. Yeah, like you said, Stockton, TCNJ, Stevens, they would like to continue to improve their resume as much as possible, I think, uh, to try to get in. I think maybe those teams are all kind of bubblish right now. Um, so we'll have to see how that goes. And Jack tournament is going to be a big one. There's some interesting teams left, some good teams, and I think anyone can win it. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of who makes the finals, what the, what the picture looks like with that in place. And then who ultimately grabs the pool a there. Region five, Matt, where we saw Widener, a strong presence in the top 16 reveal last week and a strong number one for us in region five here. Uh, got a little bit interesting behind Widener. Hood and Catholic, we we had a discussion about, but ultimately felt better about Hood because of the uh, quantity and quality of their results versus regionally ranked opponents. Uh, and then with those three settled, Eastern was a pretty easy number four. Uh, and then, Matt, you get into the mess that is the Centennial Conference. We think that you know if you went eight deep here, you would have four Centennial Conference teams in the mix. 
Of course, only seven will get ranked. We we feel like, you know, Swarthmore uh, is a real contender there to come in fifth, followed by Johns Hopkins and Gettysburg, which leaves Franklin and Marshall on the outside looking in. And Matt, this was a real doozy to try to figure out, not only because of the resumes, but because they're all in the same conference. You get at these weird, you know, A beat B beat C kind of situations. Um, you know, and even though Swarthmore has the lowest winning percentage, we felt like they stood out in all the other criteria categories that we put them uh, in the fifth spot there. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the Centennial Conference because that is an absolute mess. I'm going to caveat this entire conversation. You and I talked about this on our fake rack call on, on, on Sunday afternoon. We would really almost not be surprised any order that you came out with these Centennial teams. Swarthmore could be the team that's out. Um, they could be on top of all these teams. You could put like you could almost mix them up any direction, and it would be fine. And you could and you could logic your way through it, through it. To me, it comes down to how exactly does the committee treat multi-team comparisons? Do they will they compare four teams at once? Do they try to pare it down to three? Uh, once you get four in, it gets kind of it gets really messy with all the variables. Um, I'll talk through how we came out of our decision. Um, we. Well, you, you kind of mentioned it already. We, we looked at, you know, what are resume pieces that stand out as, as positive outliers. We saw Swarthmore's strength of schedule. We saw Swarthmore's four wins against regionally ranked opponents, including against a number one like NYU, a, a pretty strong number one. Um, and then also another good win against DeSales. Um, and then as far as winning percentage goes, Hopkins, Gettysburg, and Franklin, and Marshall are all tied. Uh, but then... Among them, Hopkins has the best strength of schedule, which is a, a significant step up, kind of 30 points higher than them. Um, so we, we use the strength of Swarthmore's strength of schedule and good regional rank, regionally ranked wins to slot them above everyone else. Um, we used Johns Hopkins' essentially 30-point strength of schedule advantage to say that they get an, a, an advantage over Gettysburg and Franklin and Marshall. And then we also use the fact that Gettysburg has an additional regionally ranked win against WPI to kind of slot them in um, in the seventh spot. Now, we also note Getty, Franklin and Marshall beat Gettysburg twice, and Gettysburg beat Johns Hopkins twice, and Johns Hopkins beat Franklin and Marshall twice. We think that those three teams, if you kind of take Swarthmore's like good wins and say, okay, like maybe they're just going to be above, and then you take the other three teams together— you almost kind of have to ignore the head-to-heads because they've all there's a, a triangle there. So if you ignore those head-to-heads, that's why we came up with Hopkins because of the strength of schedule advantage and Gettysburg because of the additional regionally ranked win advantage. Uh, it gets really complicated. If they actually compared all four of those teams together at once, then the, the head-to-head records among those teams, Swarthmore's the worst at, I think, just whatever it is, two and four, I think. And everyone else had three wins or something like that. Uh, or no, actually, Gettysburg was the best. They had four wins. So that could change the order entirely. It comes down to how exactly is the committee going to p- compare these teams together. Um, this is what we picked, and I just told you why. But again, I would not be surprised to see something different. Right. This is one of our discussions is how does it actually play out? Like, Is it like a whittling down process where you might come down to a final spot where it's a direct head-to-head Gettysburg and Franklin and Marshall, and then Franklin Marshall has an advantage because they have the sweep over Gettysburg. But like you said, if it's a if it's a you know, a, a three team comparison between Hopkins, Gettysburg, and Franklin and Marshall, 
you leave it as a three teams and say, okay, we're out of this three, we're going to pick two out of the three. Yeah. And then that triangle helps negate some of those head to heads. Well, then maybe it's Johns Hopkins and Gettysburg for the reason you explained. Yeah. I feel like from what we've heard after, um, you know, we were wrong with some of the, the predictions in the alphabetical ranking that sometimes these multi-team comparisons can lead to results that are a little bit different than like the head to head. I feel like that, that suggests to me that it doesn't work where, okay, out of these three, we're going to take this team or eliminate this team. And therefore we're left with a head to head. It tells me that yeah. out of a group, they're making decisions of, you know, picking like two out of three, as opposed to, okay, we're going to take this one. Now it's a head to head between the yeah. remaining two. Yeah. So like if you're picking three teams to compare against and you're putting three teams on your board, now you're left with picking the order of those three teams based on what's on your screen, comparing all three at once. And even if you pick who's number one, it then doesn't become a comparison between the other two. It still stays a three-team comparison and you're comparing only within. So I think that's I think that's something we're kind of maybe learning that that's maybe the case is that even if, once you have a three-team comparison, it always stays as a three-team comparison. Even after you've determined who's the number one, it doesn't then become just a two-team comparison. I think, I think you and I are both thinking that's what their committees are telling us. And this is all so close enough, Matt, we could see the actual Region 5 rankings. We could be totally wrong on the order of these last three spots and still feel like we've learned nothing yeah, right. about how yeah. we could have modified the process to come out with a different result. It's all just that close. Yeah. And it really just depends on how your process actually plays out to, to make those decisions. So yeah, like you said, take those four centennial teams, throw them in a blender, pull names out of a hat, whatever. But here's what we're going with. For this week we'll see what happens and then as far as the region five bubble picture widener hood catholic they're all locks they're all closer to hosting games than being out of the tournament um i think eastern is probably bubble in i think they're feeling pretty good right now um and then the centennial teams are probably more bubble out i think the centennial is going to be a one bid league uh this year Moving on to Region 6, Matt, one of the deepest, toughest regions there is. But from Week 2 to Week 3, we felt like there wasn't really any reason yeah. to change the top five from their spots last week. Uh, so just as we um, saw last week, Hampton-Sydney, number one, Randolph-Macon, number two, followed by Guilford, Virginia-Wesleyan, and Christopher Newport rounding out the top five in Region 6. Matt, Roanoke was seventh last week, uh, but the way that the numbers have shifted... Um, you know, they look better than they looked in their kind of comparison group there at the back end. Emory had a tough weekend, but Matt, we think that they're still going to take uh, that last spot here in region six, mostly coming down to um, a comparison with Mary Washington. Emory holds a head to head advantage over Mary Washington. They beat them earlier this season. Also a slight strength of schedule advantage and just, a, a you know, a, a dominating performance over Mary Washington in terms of results versus regionally ranked opponents. Yeah. yeah um, like you said, we made a switch Roanoke six, Emory seventh, not even convinced that, that actually ends up happening. You know, one thing I'm just interested to see is how do they handle Emory's six and eight record versus regionally ranked opponents. I think that does stand out as a positive. There's a way maybe Emory still slides in sixth. Uh, we'll slot them seventh for now, but you're right, Zach. I think the next comparison would be, does Emory, how does Emory fare against a team like Mary Washington? Emory has the strength of schedule advantage. There's a, 
a pretty sizable gap in winning percentage opening up there, but Emory's got the head-to-head and then all these other regionally ranked wins that they got in UAA play, um, including a, a better, you know, all right, I guess Mary Washington's win against Hood and Emory's win against Washington U are going to be fairly similar at this point now. So maybe those are good wins, but then em- Emory's got, you know, five more in the bag as well. So it'll be interesting. I think there's a world in which the committee does go with Mary Washington because they do have a strong strength of schedule and a 640 winning percentage. I can see that jumping up, but um, the two and nine, man, Mary Washington's had a ton of chances to pick up more regionally ranked wins and they haven't really gotten them. They've only gotten those two. I think that's going to hurt them. So I think that's why we're going to go with Emory. And I think that moves the counter up to two UAA teams that we're projecting into the regional rankings with sub 600 winning percentages. Um, And in this region, it's not really because we don't have other viable options. It's just that their resume is so bulked up with those regionally ranked wins um, well, and regionally ranked games in total that I think that they stand out as a team who we kind of know is of the quality of a regionally ranked team, right? Because they're kind of 500 against those other teams. Right. And that's one of the points we made as we were discussing it earlier on today, uh, just as we were putting together our predictions, is that you look at the difference in regionally ranked games played between Emory and Mary Washington, and the entire difference goes to the win column for yeah, Emory. Right. So yeah, they've played more, but you know, the losses are very similar. The wins stand out for Emory. Yep, exactly. Um, the region six picture is very strong. Uh, Hampton city, Randolph, Macon, Guilford. They're all looking great. They're all looking like at least two of those are going to host. If not all three, I think Virginia Wesley and Christopher Newport are probably solidly into the tournament at this point. Uh, Roanoke, Probably a Pool A only team. They're definitely going to want to get at least to the ODAC final. If they get there, that means they've probably beaten another good team to boost their resume. They could really use another regionally ranked win or two uh, to feel pretty good about that. But they also, I mean, they they can't afford too much on the the winning percentage uh, to drop. So they probably need like two out of three in ODAC play at the very minimum. Even that might not be enough. So Roanoke's probably a Pool A or bust. And Emory, Zach, I think Sunday's loss for Emory kind of knocked them out of contention. If they win next week, they only get to 600. Um, I don't think their strength of schedule and regionally ranked wins are going to overcome that because especially the regionally ranked wins, uh, it's lacking some of that top-notch quality that maybe we saw at Rochester last year. So I think Emory is going to be done. Region 7. Matt, we see a change at the top of Region 7 coming here with Case Western Reserve in the top spot, followed by John Carroll, Trine, Calvin, and then, Matt, it's always interesting to have the discussion about you know this kind of profile with Carnegie Mellon. Um, and then we have Hope coming in sixth, followed by Mount Union to round out Region mm-hmm. 7. Yeah, just a few interesting talking points in this region, I think. Uh, first of all, at the top, John Carroll and Case Western Reserve. We picked Case this week. We had previously seen John Carroll. Um, there's a pretty sizable winning percentage gap between those two teams, about 90 points. And the strength of the schedules are pretty even. But we went ahead and made the flip because of Case Western does have one of those ridiculous type results versus regionally ranked opponent records. 10-4, and four, that's outstanding. John Carroll just 2-1. and one. Um, John Carroll's two wins are against Mount Union, who we see kind of sliding down this region the last few weeks. Uh, Case Western Reserve has a win against NYU. They have a win against Oswego State. They have a win against Washington U. Those are some really good um, wins against teams at the top of other regions. So we think at the strength of that, Case Western will pass John Carroll. 
Uh, now, I would not be completely shocked if that's not quite a switch yet, but I, I think 10 and 4, that just looks overwhelming at this point to me. Um, and, and I think we're going to go that direction. Um, Trine, I think, is solidly third. They have a very similar resume with Calvin at this point with the addition of a win against UW-Platteville. So that's really in Trine's favor. I think Trine is solidly third. Uh, Zach, we did have the discussion point, Calvin versus Carnegie Mellon this week. Carnegie Mellon's been winning games. They're up to 667 winning percentage, uh, just a hair below 600 on their strength of schedule, six regionally ranked wins, um, and some really good ones. So I think you could start having the conversation of does Carnegie pass Calvin? Um, and that's not because of anything bad Calvin's been doing. They've been adding to their resume as well. They just got a win over Trine uh, this weekend. Uh, it's really just because Carnegie's been on, a little bit on a roll, and I think they're now looking strong nationally, uh, whereas they were more marginal a couple weeks ago. I think they're strong nationally. Um, so, I, you know, we could see any order. I, I think I think maybe Calvin stays just because we're still talking about 200-some points of winning percentage and a good strength of schedule for Calvin with some now better results versus regionally ranked opponents. Uh, but that'll be an interesting one to watch um, is exactly where does Carnegie slot there. Um, and then Hope and Mount Union. We also had the conversation with Marietta. I think we should talk about this for a few minutes here, Zach. Um, we we kept Hope and Mount Union, the two teams we saw last week, but we flipped their order. Um, Mount Union has now lost all of their regionally ranked wins due to changes in the regional rankings. They're 0-2 now. Um, Hope does have one win against Calvin. So even though they have the same winning percentage and Mount Union has a 17-point advantage in the strength of schedule, we felt that maybe the 0-2 was going to be a significant negative for Mount Union and that even one win against a regionally ranked opponent for Hope was maybe going to overcome that gap right now. Not 100% sure that's going to be the case, but I think that's the argument we made. Um, and we also considered Marietta for a while. Marietta has a higher strength of schedule than either of these teams, uh, 12 points even higher than Mount Union. They have a season split with Mount Union, uh, but they also have two other results or wins versus regionally ranked opponents. Uh, one against Illinois Wesleyan, who we saw was a number one in Region 8, kind of a weaker number one, but they were a number one in Region 8 last week. And then a win against Christopher Newport, who's kind of solidly in the middle of Region 6. So um, definitely if we're looking for good wins, I think Marietta stands out among those other three as a team who does have the good wins that are missing. Yeah, I think ultimately we felt like the 640 wasn't enough to bring them into the conversation. But yeah, we definitely had that conversation because, you know, the, the strength of schedule, the results versus regionally ranked opponents are pretty compelling with what we see there um, compared to Hope and Mount Union. Matt, the other thing in Hope's favor is that they have a non-conference win against Wilmington, yeah, right. who swept Mount Union in OAC play. So that was another advantage uh you know maybe we wouldn't have made that flip except for the common opponent adjustment yeah. as well right yeah that was their only common opponent hope was one and oh mount union was zero and two we felt that that was also going to weigh in, in hope's favor uh, but yeah i think this just shows though for marietta if they can get to the oac final and in doing so probably knocking off again i don't know their brackets but that'd be either john carroll or mount union knocking off to get there um adding that other regionally ranked win higher strength is schedule um, you know, does that then ultimately get them into the regional rankings? It might probably not into the pool C picture, probably Marietta needs the pool a, but it might get them into the regional rankings if they can get to the final. Um, and then let's talk bubble picture for region seven here. Um, I, th I think at this point, case Western, John Carroll, um, obviously locks trying Calvin, I think Carnegie Mellon. Now they're probably all locked in. I think that those teams are all feeling good into the tournament. Uh, Hope and Mount Union would be more bubble, bubble out, 
I think right now. And both of those teams need to build on their resumes definitely in their conference tournaments. And they probably need to be aiming for the pool A to feel good about the tournament. Yep. Similar situation earlier we talked about when you factor in for some bid thieves, that's where Hope and Mount Union could be in trouble. But both of them have a lot of opportunity to add to their resume with their respective conference tournaments. Yep. Yeah. Even if, you know, even if they don't ultimately win it and get that AQ. All right, on to Region 8, where we have another mess on our hands. Matt, let's start at the top here to talk about some of the good. Wash U, we think, will take the top spot from Illinois Wesleyan here this week as the uh, data changed over the course of the week. It really, really was in Wash U's favor. You know, not that Illinois Wesleyan had a bad week, but just in the totality of the change in terms of, you know, all the criteria points seem to, to move in Wash U's favor. We think they'll take the top spot, followed by Illinois Wesleyan. And at that point, Matt, Elmhurst really stands out as a strong number three, pretty obvious there. And then the mess. Wisconsin Lutheran, we think, we think, <laughs> will be fourth, followed by Anderson. Chicago, Matt, there's number three, our third UAA with a sub-600 winning percentage entering the regional rankings. Uh, Chicago, number six, followed by Carthage here in Region 8. Yeah, let's first go up at the top. I think WashU and Illinois Wesleyan both had good weeks. Um, Wash U did go out and get a, a really good win um, against NYU. So that happened in their favor. They also just, as you said, got data shifting in their favor with like Carnegie Mellon, for example, jumping into the regional rankings last week, added regionally ranked wins to Wash U's resume. They had a few instances like that. And um, the, one of the big differences with Illinois Wesleyan and Wash U last week was the disparity in regionally ranked wins. That closed all the way this week. There's still the head-to-head -head win in Illinois Wesleyan's favor, but now considering uh, that the, the RROs have closed up, there's a big strength of schedule gap in Wash U's favor that I think now the head-to-head -head is not going to overcome. So I think we're going to go Bears 1, Titans 2. Like you said, Elmhurst is an easy 3. Um, then we don't really know what to do. I think we saw Wisconsin Lutheran... Um, well, we saw Chicago, I think, fourth last week, and then Wisconsin Lutheran fifth, if I remember my order correctly. Uh, Chicago did take, what did they take, two losses this week in UAA play, so they fell pretty significantly on the win percentage. Um, it's it's hard to say. There's now about 300-point gap in winning percentage between Chicago and Anderson and Wisconsin Lutheran. Um we're talking like 60 points in the SOS. So it's like big swings either side. Chicago has a huge RRO advantage. They're like the only one left in the rest of this region that has any sort of significant wins. Like Carthage has one good win against Elmhurst. And I think that stands out as such a good positive in this region. So I'm not really, I could see Chicago still like fourth, let's say, just because I think the committee values those good wins. And they have some of those, like a win against Case, a win against Wash U. Those are really good. I could see Chicago stay fourth for, for whatever reason. Um, I think they'll just take Wisconsin, Lutheran, and Anderson together. Their resumes are so similar right now. They're kind of shackled together, it almost looks like. Like where you take one, you're going to take the other one. Um, and they're a step up right now from St. Norbert. And we've seen St. Norbert's head-to-head -head win against Wisconsin, Lutheran, not really ever getting them above Wisconsin, Lutheran. So I think they stay below. Um, so we're not exactly sure where... I think where Chicago is going to slot in, I think Carthage probably falls in below the Wisconsin Lutheran and Anderson duo, just because we see 200 points of winning percentage there. And the strength of schedule is 20 points. So significant, but not that significant. They have one good regionally ranked win. So, um, you know, I think that, I think it's Carthage seventh, 
St. Norbert and Hanover just out. Um, really will be interested to see what they do with Chicago. I, I can see a world in which they start saying, like, under 550 guys here, that's too low. And maybe maybe Carthage moves up a spot and St. Norbert does move in. I could see that happening. Um, but I think everything they've shown us is we're going to value what your strength of schedule is, and we're going to look for good wins. Chicago has those two things. And especially when you're looking at, at the bottom of a weak region where we're either taking, like, dreadfully low strength of schedules or teams you know that are still only in like the 600s winning percentage i think chicago has a definite case to be ranked here yeah and this is where i feel like we're up against competing messaging that we've received from committee members over the last two years right on one hand we hear you know your winning percentage gets you to the table well does chicago at 542 do that you know maybe but, you know, and then we also hear about it's it's about the totality of your resume, right? And in that regard, if you're looking at the totality of the resume, well, Chicago stands out from some of these other options in a few different ways. So, you know, it's just a case of with with so limited options, you know, there's there's warts all over the place here. When you start looking at it more in a totality of the resume type, you know, context, that's where you see Chicago, you know, staying in the mix. And I think with them being fourth last week, that shows how strongly, yeah. you know, that resume that Chicago had was was seen, you know, a week ago. Um, so that even if they take, even that they took a couple losses, like there's a bunch of strengths that are still there. So yeah, maybe they fall, but you know, I think I think it makes sense that they don't fall all the way out. As much as you know, we. We probably wouldn't want to see all these UAAs with sub 600 yeah. and, you know, just the fact that they come from the UAA and you have that multi, multi-region conference thing in effect. I think, you know, you know, if this was that resume from a team, you know, that's a HCAC team, for instance, I don't think we really care or have that big of a discussion about it, but the way that this then impacts other teams' resumes in terms of them adding regionally ranked wins, um, you know, that's going to be a big impact then on like, well, Carnegie Mellon lost, but like a case or an NYU. And as these decisions that need to get made about, you know, who's hosting, seating, that type of thing, you know, it has cascading effects. Yeah. And um, I think another point you made, I don't know if you made this on Twitter, or you made it to me in a, in a, in a text, but it's also going to test the idea of whether or not there are floors, right? We keep hearing the committee say right. there's no floors. So is a team like Chicago, there's no floor, there's no winning percentage floor. If you have a stronger resume across the board, totality of the resume, um, in the committee's mind, I think, I, again, important to note, we're predicting what the committee is going to do, not necessarily saying how we would inter interpret the criteria. But right. in their mind, if this is the totality of the resume and there's no floors, I think they would have no problem ranking Chicago sixth fourth fifth in this region um but again we hear if if your winning percentage gets you to the table uh, you know saint norbert at 800 are they at the table as well as, as 500 like what's the winning percentage exactly that gets you there uh, so it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do um really fascinated here i could see chicago out i could see chicago up at fourth again probably sixth or seventh though right and ultimately you can say matt the bubble you know, Elmhurst is probably like a bubble out type team. Yeah. Anyone below them, we're not really talking bubble. But it does. So in that sense, oh, it doesn't matter because none of these teams are going to get any in anyway. <clears throat> but because regional rankings are used to define yeah. good wins, yes, it does make a matter. Be it does matter because 
Chicago then counts towards right. all these other UAA teams and, you know, anyone that played Chicago, but of course being a conference schedule, that's going to be two games on a UAA team's uh, right. resume. And we're not really trying to pick on the, the UAA. They're just sort of, sort of unique. The coast to coast is also in this um, mold where they're multi-regional conference. And now this is the third region we've seen with a very marginal, I'll call it marginal UAA resume at the bottom of, of the regional rankings that are that count. So that's six regionally ranked games that the UAA conference teams get by these very these under 600 winning percentage teams sticking into the bottom of the region. That would be very difficult to happen if they were like the like the 42, 41 other conferences that all exist within one region. It would be very difficult to get all of these teams into the same regional rankings. You'd be losing two, four, six regionally ranked games from your schedule, which doesn't necessarily change the top quality wins. It just changes the amount, the obscene numbers we see. They might fall more in line with other teams like an Elmhurst up here, three and two. Like we might see more of these UAA teams in line with that. So there's just a lot more opportunities. Uh, They're good teams. Like I'm not against counting a Chicago as a good game, but we just saw in region seven, teams that played Marietta, don't get to count that as a good game. And they're they're just in line with an Emory, a Brandeis, a Chicago, if not better than a couple of those teams, right? They're no worse than even of with those teams. So it's just a challenge, especially with the more limited, like per the handbook, we, we should rank 20% of teams, but then we're capping that at seven. Um, if we had more ranked spots, I think we would get a better look at the, the quality of teams. But I, I understand a few years ago when they had up to you know 10 ranked teams per region, that the committee thought they were doing too much work. And I get that. But I think the line at seven is where we run into these challenges where we're, we're, we're counting some teams um, that are marginal and we're not counting some teams that are as good or better. I've said it before and I'll keep saying it, Matt. Every single problem there is with this process gets solved by measuring good wins by something other than Last the regional ranking rankings. process. Yeah, right. Well, right. yeah, then this week's process. You know, there's a lot of sorting that gets worked out through the regional rankings, right? And and in some cases that filters out some teams. And that the fact that the UAA is spread across so many regions, that doesn't happen. Go back to what we talked about with the centennial, right? Matt, that making those decisions, you know, we had three spots for four teams. That means someone's getting left out. When you spread, if you, know, if you take those exact resumes and you have the ability to, okay, we're going to put one in region eight, one in region three, you know, we probably are easily taking all four of those resumes, but because they're jammed into one region, yeah. there's a natural sorting process that has to take place. And that's what's lost, I think, with these, these multi-region conferences. All right. Yep. Glad we could use that as a little soapbox moment. Shall we go on to Region 9, where, again, we're going to see a sorting process take out because we've got the American Rivers Conference just, you know, kind of dominating the Region 9 um, picture here, both in and just off, as we will see. Matt, we see Platteville at the top of Region 9 here, followed by Nebraska, Wesleyan, and Co., who we saw, and, you know, we talked about married in your mm-hmm. Top 25 ballot, followed by Dubuque. And then we had a real discussion about the last three spots, Matt, between four teams. We went with Loris 5th, St. John 6th, Bethany Lutheran 7th, and that left American Rivers member Central on the outside looking in in the week three regional rankings. Yeah, so starting at the top of this region, the top three, uh, we just left alone. I think it makes sense given 
um, what the resumes were last week, and we saw them ranked, and what happened that those are are gonna gonna hold. Um, we last week De, uh, Dubuque was behind Loris. We made that switch, jumping Dubuque back up. Dubuque has beaten Loris this week, and so that turned into a season split. Whereas previously Loris had a one and zero head to head. I think now, given that split, you see Dubuque's uh, record being even with Loris and the strength of schedule significantly higher. Uh, and now the regionally ranked wins coming more in line. I think it's easy to say to me for Dubuque to go back above. Um, we made the decision to to have Loris stay fifth, even though there's a, a strength of schedule gap between them and St. John's. Uh, we felt like they had some regionally ranked win quality that St. John's did not quite have. Uh, two wins against Nebraska Wesleyan and a win against Dubuque, all being probably better than St. John's best win, which was against Stockton. Uh, so I think we were keeping Loris there. Just, again, quality of, of top-ranked wins is something I think we've seen the committee value. Uh, and I think that was one reason they were valuing Loris fourth last last week. Uh, and then the last three were really tricky to us. St. John's we had jumping back in. Um, Bethany Lutheran and Central coming in right behind them. That was tough. We, we brought in some multi-team comparisons. We ultimately also did note that Bethany Lutheran still has a win at Central on their resume. Um but again, we're getting to that resume disparity thing where uh, Central has the highest strength of schedule, but the lowest winning percentage. Uh, Bethany Lutheran, the highest winning percentage, but the lowest strength of schedule. How do you sort these teams and slot these teams is a little bit difficult. Uh, last week, we saw it was uh, St. John's out and Bethany Lutheran was still above Central. We thought that based on the results this week, that could still hold, that Bethany Lutheran was still above Central. Um, but St. John's resume improved this week. And we thought they had a chance to jump in to the rankings. Uh, but I think we also noted in our conversation that these three teams are another three-team grouping that we wouldn't really be that shocked to see in almost any order uh, at the end of the day from the committee. Right. Yeah, we also felt like St. John's had a common opponent advantage over Bethany Lutheran. But again, as we've talked about before, depending on how you do some yeah. of these multi-team comparisons, maybe that is apparent. Maybe that kind of gets washed away. Uh, so... We'll see. Interesting discussions here at the back of Region 9. Um, and then, but, you know, Central, if they move out, obviously that has implications there for the rest of the American Rivers teams because that's a regionally ranked opponent game that yeah. will move off of their off of their resume. Yeah. Um, as far as bubble picture, I think Platteville, Nebraska, Wesleyan, and Co. are all very solid. Probably Dubuque as well. I think they're all looking good. Uh, Loris is still going to have a little bit of a question mark on their strength of schedule. I think they have the RROs, the requisite results versus regionally ranked opponents. They have the strength of schedule. They're going to want to build that resume through the ARC tournament, probably get to the final uh, to feel really good. That way they can maybe boost their SOS as much as possible and get it above 500, give them good reason to be. Um, they, they probably want to still aim at that pool A. That way, if you if you miss, you've still made the final. Um St. John's, Bethany, Lutheran, Central, uh, they're probably all more bubble teams, maybe more toward bubble out by the time you get bid thieves and the like. I think they're all probably teams that are interested in winning the pool A, um, especially Central. They're getting a little bit more dicey on the winning percentage. They're probably, they're not, at the very least, get to the ARC championship game. Um, and kind of hold that 667. You don't want to dip below that. Their, their strength of schedule and results versus regionally ranked are not strong enough like we've seen some UAA teams who might be able to get in at 640. You know, Matt, we usually talk at this time of year, you'd rather have a winning percentage problem than a strength of schedule problem. But 
what comes to mind for Loris is they're in the right conference to, to if they can make a run and maybe lose in a conference tournament final, they will have played some really good SOS mm-hmm. games along the way, right? Sometimes we see where a team play, has to play like a first round game in a conference tournament and it's against a bottom feeder or a lower lower tier team and that really, really hurts them. But, you know, with the American Rivers, you see strong strength of schedules across the board and that's largely because the conference as a whole did really well in out-of-conference play, brought a ton of wins into league play. Um, and so pretty much whoever you get, you're get, you going to get matched up with through a run through the conference tournament there in the American Rivers is you're going to get some really strong SOS games. And so I would expect that number to be boosted uh, quite easily. Will it be enough? We'll see. But um, one of the rare cases where maybe having an SOS problem at this point is okay as long as they're able to you know, get enough games in to really see that rise over the next uh, week. All right. One region to go. Region 10. Okay. Uh, Matt, we talked about the the top here. We th- thought it was very close between Kalu and Trinity, but the RRO quantity and quality gave the slight edge to Kalu. So we're going to expect Kalu to come in number one in region 10 this week, followed by Trinity, Texas. Uh, Matt, St. Thomas picked up a second win on the season against Trinity. That really stood out. You look at the record or the results versus regionally ranked opponents. They're 3-0 and there, including those two wins against yeah. Trinity. So we went with St. Thomas third, Pomona Pitzer fourth, followed by Claremont Mud Scripps and Hardin Simmer- Simmons. And then, Matt, it got really interesting talking about this last spot in region 10 last week we were a bit surprised to see that it was redlands in the seventh spot we expected whitworth we really wanted to dig in and look at what uh what those numbers were going into last week that we saw the committee come out with redlands from that process and so we really started uh, you know based on that we started looking at it and this came down to a mary harden baylor versus redlands comparison for us and you look at the winning percentage exactly the same at 625 strength of schedule slight advantage for mary harden baylor uh 538 to 530 both with two wins over regionally ranked opponents including one that's the same they've both beaten illinois wesleyan mary harden baylor adds harden simmons redlands adds williams very very close across the board ultimately matt just that slight strength overall strength of schedule difference we decided to go with Mary Harden Baylor but this is like razor thin margin right here yeah and an, another instance where we don't know exactly how the committee is going to use that results versus regionally ranked opponents category right uh, we see Mary Harden Baylor two and three Redlands two and seven you know one thing I see when I see two and seven is you had a lot of opportunities to prove yourself as a equal to other regionally ranked teams. And for the most part, you did not take advantage of that opportunity. So, like, for example, Redlands being in the Sky Act, they would have played Pomona Pitzer and Claremont Mud Scripps uh, four, two times each. And and they went 0-4 of those games. Those are two teams in the middle of this region. You know, maybe get a win or two there and and kind of build your RRO resume. I don't know if they're going to see that 2-7. and se- Not that 2-7 and seven is, a, is too much of a negative, but you didn't take advantage of your opportunities kind of a thing, right? So is is that how they're going to look at that? Um, Mary Harden Baylor, two and three, to me, they mostly did take advantage of those similar type opportunities and they won, you know, approximately half of those opportunities. I don't know if the committee is going to see it exactly that way or not, um, or if they'll just look and say, well, they have both have two wins. 
Williams is a little bit better than Harden Simmons, let's say. Eight points of strength of schedule. Maybe it goes back to Redlands. I can see that. I don't know. Um, but for me, I would view the two and seven um, not as a complete negative, but as a little bit of we had some opportunities we didn't take advantage of, and you haven't shown yourself to be completely on the level. Uh, so that's I think that's largely why we went with Mary Harden Baylor. Um, the other conversation was obviously is it Whitworth or Whitman, um, but we still did note it note. Whitworth has about 20 points, maybe not quite 20 points of strength and schedule advantage. They have a regionally ranked win over Elmhurst, which is a solid win. And they have, uh, I think, a 2-0 head-to-head against Whitman. Um, so we were thinking that Whitworth would stay ahead of Whitman, but that that resume then would not be um, able to overcome probably the Redlands or the Mary Harden-Baylor resume. And learning from last week, when we, we thought it would be Whitworth, it ended up being Redlands. And looking back at, at the, the data from from last week, it, it didn't move in Whitworth's favor this right. week. Yeah. So we felt like, you know, with the with the updated data, it would still be Redlands over Whitworth. And then noticing that while well, Redlands and Mary Harden Baylor look very similar with the equal winning percentage, very similar strength of schedule. And so that's why it came down to those two for us. Now, Matt, going back to the two and seven versus two and three, you know, this is where we get sometimes it's like, are we double counting criteria, yeah. right? Because well, we always you know, are, a big yeah. a big number in the RRO category, well, that's already taken into account in terms of strength of schedule, right? Because if you're playing a lot of regionally yeah. ranked teams, probably you have a big strength of schedule. So this and this is where I I can't see there being any sort of reward for the two and seven over the two and three. Um because that would that would that would be rewarding like a particular subset of scheduling. Yeah. When you look at Mary Harden Baylor, they have the strength of schedule of 538, which is now not a great margin over 530, but it's more. So wh- why would we re- reward the Redlands schedule when it has a lower SOS just because within that lower SOS, more teams happen yeah. to be regionally ranked? Oh, by the way, not even teams that they necessarily beat yeah. compared to Mary Harden Baylor. It makes you look like you built that SOS on games you just didn't win. Whereas Mary right. Harden Baylor built that SOS SOS on games that they sometimes did win and sometimes lost. Right. So we'll see. It'll be very interesting. I, you know, I don't know that we have a whole lot of conviction, but as we work it out for ourselves in two very similar resumes that we think it's between the two from what we learned last week, we think it would be between the two and maybe it still is Redlands. But as we look into it and consider it, I think Mary Harden Baylor and Matt, and I think it would be a real surprise to people to see Mary Harden Baylor jump into the regional rankings here. Just as it feels like, you know, it's a team that we had certain expectations for coming into this season. And then they've just been completely off the radar. Well, here we are mid February and they may be on the cusp of entering the region 10 regional rankings. Yeah. I mean, speaking of the radar though, let's talk bubble for this region. Mary Harden Baylor might be entering the regional ranking picture, but they're not going to be on the national bubble picture. They're still a pool A or bust. Um, right. We we feel very good about Cal Lou and Trinity, Texas. A chance for two region 10 pods to be hosted at each of those locations, depending on what the, the pool C picture is. Um, St. Thomas and Pomona Pitzer both look like kind of bubble teams right now. If both of those teams do get in, whether they win the pool A in their conferences or they maybe get to that tournament final and have enough of a resume to get a pool C selection, uh, if you get pool C's from both those teams, I think we have enough to make a Southern California pod and a Texas pod. Um, 
So I, I think St. Thomas and Pomona Pitts are very much in that tournament picture. Claremont Mud Scripps to me right now looks more like bubble out. I think I think definitely they need to get to the to the championship game, and they might be having their eyes set on a, a pool A bid for me. Um, I don't think Harden Simmons or Mary Harden Baylor has a shot at a pool C. So I think both of those teams uh, are going to be needing to win the ASC with any other ASC team because I think that's going to be a one bid league. Excellent. There we go. I feel like there's more difficult decisions this week than last week, Matt. Yeah, things got we'll more. See, we'll see what happens. More jumbled up. Um, and anyway, here's a review of our picks from last week. Uh, Zach, we had Mount Union minus three at Marietta. Marietta won that game big, 87-72. Zach, you got that pick. Uh, game two was Trinity, three-point favorites at St. Thomas. St. Thomas won this game outright, and we both missed that. Worcester and Wabash were pickums at Wabash. Wabash won by 10. Zachary, you got that one. Pomona Pitzer, we thought was too big of a line at six and a half at Calu. Calu won that game by 13. They look strong. You get that one. And our game of the week was Calvin at Trine, MIAA title on the line. Calvin was four point underdogs by the computer, but they won in overtime by seven. We both got that pick. So recapping the week, Zach, you went three and two, picked up an additional two games on me. I went one and four. You are now 44, 30, and 1. I am 40, 34, and 1. I've got a lot of work to do in a little bit of time. All right, this week's pick slate. Game number one is Central, six-point underdogs at Dubuque. These are, I think, all conference tournament games, by the way, besides the UAA one at the end. Uh, TCNJ, eight-and-a-half-point underdogs at Rowan. Uh, the computer likes Roanoke by three versus Washington and Lee at the Salem Civic Center. And then the computer finds Tufts as eight-point underdogs versus Trinity, Connecticut. And then our D3 Datacast game of the week with UAA championship implications, Carnegie Mellon nine-point computer line underdogs at Case Western Reserve. Zach, let's start at the top, Central and Dubuque. Picking against the six-point computer line, who do you like? Give me Dubuque. I'm not going to be scared off by the six points here, Matt. I think Dubuque is a slight tier ahead of Central, even though they've all been in that ARC mix all year. I never know what to make when two American Rivers Conference teams play each other, but I know that I need to make up points on you. So I'm going to go the other direction and say Central can keep it close and maybe win it outright. Game number two, TCNJ at Rowan. Zach, what do you think about this big line? All right, here's I know I, I laid six in the last one, but Matt, here's my my strategy for this week is I feel like conference tournament time, everything gets scrunched together. I'm gonna be even more scared off by big numbers than I have in, in the past. Give me the college of New Jersey. All right, you're going TCNJ, Zach. I'm gonna go with you. I think eight and a half is too big. I we've seen Rowan up, we've seen Rowan down. I think you're right that this is gonna be a tight one. So I think eight and a half is just too big for me. Roanoke and Washington and Lee. We're going to that great, great ODAC tournament at the Salem Civic Center here. Matt, I am going to go with Roanoke. I feel like we've been talking about for two years, but I feel like there's a a distinct line in the games that Roanoke wins and the type of games Roanoke loses. Mm -hmm. This is much more of the type of game they win. Give me the Maroons even laying the three. Do you remember uh, Washington and Lee playing that triple overtime game last year in last year's ODAC tournament? That was awesome. 
Uh, it was four over. It was four overtime, wasn't oh, it? Oh, quadruple overtime, maybe. It was so many overtimes. I, I didn't. I didn't even remember. Uh, Roanoke. I, I I thought similar to you, Zach. I think Roanoke needs some good wins. I think they're playing. Um, I think they're playing really well right now, and I think they have like you know, can we somehow sneak into this tournament type feelings? I think that they're going to go in. And I think they're going to win this game against Washington and Lee, and I think they can cover that three point line as well. So I'm going to take Roanoke. Uh, and now we're going over to the NESCAC Tufts versus Bantams, Jumbos versus Bantams. Eight-point line is huge. What do you like? Uh, well, having just, what, two weeks ago gotten burned by the the Tufts Trinity, the number is too big. I'm expecting a lower-scoring game, you know, thought process. Before, I'm going to go back to that well. One of these times, I think I'll be right. Okay, so you are taking Tufts. Okay. Taking Jumbos. Big line. Roll bows. Yeah, I thought the same. I like. I just can't pick the eight point line twice. I think I, to me, the NESCAC tournament is one of those anything can happen type tournaments. I know Trinity's the big favorite here, uh, but I think you know I'm looking for Tufts. I think Tufts can hang strong. Um, so we'll see. Keep it within eight. And then going out to the game of the week, travel partners Carnegie Mellon and Case. Who do you like? I'm gonna keep with the theme. Matt, nine points is too big. Carnegie Mellon is playing well. Um, Case is playing well too. Um, and as you mentioned, there are there are championship implications for both teams, yeah. actually. Carnegie Mellon's still alive for a tri-championship with Case and NYU. Um, ultimately, I don't think we'll end up with tri-champions here, Matt, but I, I like Carnegie Mellon to keep it a single-digit game. Yeah, as someone who has spent so many countless hours rooting against Carnegie Mellon, they just find a way to pull it out every single time and muck up the Regional 7 picture. Um, so I'm, I'm sick of it this time. I'm going to join forces with Carnegie Mellon. I think they can keep this close. They seem like they're always in the game. Uh, nine points is going to be too big. All I know about UAA is all these games are tight. So I think I'm going to go with Carnegie Mellon to keep it within nine. So not much separation for you and me, Zach. Only the one game. I'm just trying to protect my lead. Taking the air out of the basketball, Matt. All right. Mailbag. All right, one mail, one mailbag item this week matt comes from someone we know tom snyder our father did the d3 datacast staff check off any ultimate d3 bucket list items episode five this season or any new additions to the list now matt i think dad's asking us a little bit of a leading question here i appreciate the plug for episode five one of the earliest episodes we ever did creating a bucket list for division three basketball fans um and i say it's a bit of a leading question because attending the great lakes invitational was on that list which we did and Mom and dad were there as well. So I th think they already know that. Yeah, we were the only media members in attendance that also brought their parents. So I think that was that was good to see. Uh, no, the Great Lakes Invitational was great. I had never watched personally, in person, eight Division three basketball games within a two-day span, but I think that was fun. It was just amazing how the, the day just kept rolling with great game after great game. We're excited to attend next year as well. It's going to be here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, so excited to be D3 uh GLI attenders next season. I think that's the only one we added though this year. Is that is that right? I did go back and look and I I think that is the case. Um but Matt, I thought of one new uh potential addition oh, here. And th yeah. this is not necessarily for any Division 3 basketball fan, but maybe for our personal list is uh I found out that at Nebraska Wesleyan they play in the Snyder Arena. Oh. So I feel like as big Lincoln. Division 3 basketball fans, we should you know, make a trip to Lincoln. Okay. Maybe, I don't know what kind of signage they have there, but, you know, 
get a picture to get a to get a picture taken under the the Snyder Arena sign would be awesome. Would like two airline tickets, a night or two hotel, just to get a picture in front of Snyder Arena. That's probably worth it, right? Probably. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Uh, so yeah, we I've gotta, never been, I've never been to Lincoln, so you know. I've been to Lincoln. Look at list all the way around. I had to fly out of Lincoln from a work trip once. Uh, it was fine. Yeah. Good to hear. It's fine. Yeah, I like it. Um, I would all like right, that. I would like to go to the d3hoops.com classic in Vegas. Uh, I would still some at some time like to attend the ODAC tournament. I think those are two bucket list items I would like to do as far as events. Um, so those are on my list for the future still. Yes, the bucket list still stands. If you have not checked out our ultimate bucket list for the Division Three basketball fan, head back to episode five. We'll link it in the show description. Check it out. Let us know what you think. And that wraps up the mailbag. Just the one item this week, Matt. If our dear listeners have anything they want to hear us talking about, um, they can send in a mailbag item by leaving a message on YouTube. Send it to us on any and all that social media garbage. We'll find it, and we will talk about it. Otherwise, you know what we do here, Matt. We just talk about whatever we want. This is a chance to make sure we're talking about what our listeners want. And speaking of our listeners, we have some great ones, including the list here, Matt. We have some fantastic people who have gone to to patreon.com slash d3datacast and said, yeah, you know what? I want to support these guys even more than I already do by subscribing to their YouTube channel, YouTube channel, you know, hitting the thumbs up button, you know, leaving comments, interacting with these bozos. I want to also financially support them. These people have done it. Head to patreon.com slash d3datacast. You can find out more information, how you can join the fun, and help make everything we do free and accessible to everyone in the Division Three basketball community. Because um, that's what we're all about, Matthew. Thank you to everyone on this list. Zachary, I had fun with this. Regional ranking episode once again. Great job, team. <laughs>